Alrighty. Alrighty, alrighty. So, hi guys. Um, sorry, it's been a very long time. I'm Kia. I'm Florence. And this is Melanin. In medicine. Thanks for coming back. Um, <laughs> so we had plenty of mishaps go on last week, and we just figured we'd go ahead and take a break because it wasn't the stars weren't aligning for us, and um, we deeply apologize because I was like, you know, a break in our flow. We were doing great. Um, our flow. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, but we're back with episode five, and it's really great. So, um, we're going to start off with our elders' elevation. So, go ahead with that. Yeah, so our elders' elevation today is by may jemison and the quote is never be limited by other people's limited imaginations if you adopt their attitudes then the possibility won't exist because you'll have already shut it out you can hear other people's wisdoms but you've got to reevaluate the world for yourself nice okay awesome so that goes into the gist of our show so do you kind of want to give a background of the show kia yes indeed um or well so to sum it up, because I'm sure you guys um, were counting on some Mahoney messages. We have none. Uh, So (laughs) if you were expecting us to have that segment filled, you know, whenever you feel like emailing us at melaninandmedicine02 at gmail.com, we would love to answer your questions or any type of fun tidbits you'd like to talk about um, that we can read on the show. So don't forget about us. Uh, Next, we'll have our stepping stones. So, um, we have some really good stepping stones today, starting with stereotypes. So, I, I think it's good that we discuss kind of the stereotypes that we faced um, as women and then as black women, um, because intersectionality is a thing, but um, stereotypes that we faced with that uh, going into like just a medical field, a highly... Um, uh, masculine field, uh, male dominant, yeah, you know, field. field. Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah, just talk about that and kind of educate people, you know, yes, stereotypes come from somewhere. That's mm-hmm. what they always say, but it's, we're in a day and age where a lot of people perpetuate these stereotypes without even knowing it. So, that's true. um, yeah, one of the biggest things we want to do with this platform, especially is just educate people and let them know kind of when you say certain things or when you assume certain things, it's a strong bias and it's probably coming from a stereotype. So, but we'll be less vague. Um, so what are some stereotypes you've experienced just like going into medicine, having your degree, things like that? So I think for me, the biggest stereotype I face is, um, a lot of people when I'm like, Oh, I'm going into the medical field. I say medical field. I don't say healthcare field. And they automatically assume that I'm trying to be a nurse. Yeah. Because most of the time, the nursing field mm-hmm. is that a stereotype to make that a lot of black women in the nursing field are. Well, I just feel like I feel like a lot more women going to nursing. Nursing, yeah, in right. general. So people assume just because I'm a woman mm-hmm. and an African American woman oh, yeah. that. I automatically, if I want to go into the healthcare field, I want to be a nurse. Right. Um, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing, yeah, wrong, nothing with wrong with nurses. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with nurses, yeah. It's just different, you know? Yeah. And especially a stereotype I'll get, you know, I'll tell people, yeah, I'm applying to medical school. And um, they'll say, oh, do you want to be a nurse? And at that point, it's like, okay, so. You're just, you just get tired of hearing that. Like, why do I have right. to be limited to one category just because I am a woman and just because I'm African-American. Absolutely. And it's like, 
oftentimes I'll get it from black men, especially like, oh, I'm going, I want to go to medical school. Oh, so you want to be a nurse? Well, no, nurses like have I their said, own school. Medical school, <laughs> right? Nursing school. Yeah. yeah, and like that also comes with like an education thing. Like a lot of people don't know that there's another school that you go to to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's also a problem with you know people not knowing how to become a doctor because they're like, what is medical school like? And then they're like, oh, so in medical school, is there, like, nursing nursing school, pharmacy? You know, like... Yeah. Right, because it's a vague... It's not, like, doctor school. But, yeah, that's a heavy one. Um, I think... What's yours? Let's see. So, I don't know if this was necessarily a stereotype, per se, but, like, I feel like throughout my undergrad, when I'd tell people my degree was biology, they never really seemed like they like they there was a different level of um they received it differently when I was a senior or a, a junior and senior because I'd say you know yes my uh, degree is biology I'm graduating a semester oh really you know there was yeah. like a it was like a, oh so you actually want to go in biology because plenty of people start you know biology and then, and then change, change. <laughs> right yeah and so I'm sorry well anything anything and yeah. uh so yeah it was definitely a they they kind of believe in you a little more. They'll ask, oh, so what do you want to do with that? But also, um, as a med tech, I also get, do you want to be a nurse? Uh, but I thought it was interesting because, um, so one of my coworkers, who's a white man, he's also a medical technician, and we do the same thing. Um, we're the same uniform, and he comes up to us one day, just like a group of all of us talking, and he's like, do people always automatically assume you want to be, like, an ophthalmologist? Like, do they always just assume that you want to, you know, be a doctor? And I was like, never. I wish. Like, I wish. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's guessed that, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that really put it into perspective for me. I was just like, so it exists. That, you know, like, you you think that everybody keeps asking you this because... Oh, it's probably because of my uniform. It's probably because where, like, they're in a doctor's office. Yeah. They would just assume everybody that's not a doctor is a nurse. But as soon as you see that they're like, oh, so are you trying to be a doctor? That, like, to a man, mm-hmm. it was just like, okay, so you have the capability of asking that question. You just don't do it with me, you know? Yes. So. I guess another stereotype for me that this actually really bothers me. I feel like, I don't know if you get this, just because... You are educated, and I guess I probably get it more because people say I talk white. Girl. People automatically assume that, like, I'm less African-American than oh, girl. most Ooh. people. Well, now here's the thing. and uh, That what, stereotype really bothers me. Yeah, and honestly, that goes with people associating success and um, wealth and education with whiteness. Yeah, And that's the problem with these stereotypes that we're... We're kind of, we kind of want to highlight especially is like, or especially with our um, our, our next stepping stone, which I want to give too much away, but it it's important to like disconnect those two things, I think, because being educated doesn't make me any less black. Being, yes. you know, professional, being, um, being able to adapt to different environments, if it's, you will. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, it it doesn't, doesn't make, make you less, you don't lose your culture just because you want to be educated. Or, and yeah. I, yeah, and it bothers me more when I hear minorities say it, because I'm like, does that mean you don't want to be educated? You don't want to be do better for yourself? Like, right. Or you just don't want us. Like, like what does that say about you looking at an educate or a, just a woman that takes herself serious enough to, you know, you won't be taken seriously in, in 
by the majority if you can't communicate yes. efficiently. They won't take you seriously. Exactly. So it's like, would you rather me struggle with having to, you know, get yeah. them to a, be comfortable with me? And, you know, it's... And it's kind of, I feel like for me, it draws that line because it's like, oh, people of your culture are like, oh, you're too white. And then white people are like oh, you're too black. So then it's like, what am I? Well, the, what am I? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a, you're you're acceptable for the office, so to speak. Yeah. And that's that's where you get with the, the white group especially, but that is a hard one. And I, I've, it's been a long time since I've heard people say that. I'm like, freaking, oh, this is this disgusting term. I don't even know why we're even saying it. <laughs> when people say, oh, you're an Oreo. You're black on the outside and white I've on the outside. Over, I've gotten that. I like, okay, in high school, like, people did that because they were, like, 16 and whatever. Like, you only have two brain cells at that age. No, <laughs> no shade to the 16-year-old listeners. But, but like, if anybody were to say that to me now, I'd just be like, so you can't be educated and a minority is what you're saying. You, you can't, you know, have a full capacity to speak English. You know, you, you can still have your culture you can still like you were saying you don't have to like lose your ability to want to communicate efficiently you know and I think it, it, people are honestly so impressed that's what frustrating and even more like why people are so impressed when you are able to communicate efficiently when you are like able to express yourself without a way that they would assume you know oh well she's probably gonna get mad at this or she's this or that and it's just like, why would you assume that? You yeah. know, why why can't I just be you, the girl? Because that's too easy. But. <laughs> so from that, I know we just talked about negative stereotypes, but there are positive <laughs> there stereotypes. Are. There Do you are. have Mikia? Um, yikes! I'm still stuck on the Oreo comment. That's just rough. <laughs> um, you give an example, and I'll take that. Positive stereotype. Oh, I I guess. So um, I feel like. When you do say you want to go into medicine, people assume that you have medical family. Oh. Um, so they'll be like, oh, so was your mom a doctor? Was your dad a doctor? Yeah. And, and although it takes a long conversation for me to get them to realize, <laughs> no, I want to be a doctor. Um, the, then they'll, they'll get to the point where they're like, oh, well, you know, you can really. And the, they'll see that it's like you have a really good capacity with interacting with patients from your culture and that's a large percentage of the patient population that's missing you know yeah that connection so when they do kind of get that like understanding like oh you want to be a doctor that you're you're actually gonna be a really well-rounded doctor you know like yeah. they they do kind of get that vibe especially so yeah that's I say that's a good stereotype yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I guess people automatically just assume like you're smart and you get put in a different class. Oh girl, which... when I told people I, I was I got my <laughs> biology degree, they were like, "Oh, you're smart." I was like, "Baby, I know that's the first thing I get." I'm like, <sighs> "I'm trying." Look, and I thought I was smart till my little MCAT came around, <laughs> and she was like, "Yo, dumbass." We're giving, <laughs> we're giving her gender now. <laughs> Look, sis knows no. <laughs> But yeah, no. Um, or when you tell people, oh man, this was misleading. When you tell people you're studying for the MCAT, and they're like, you're gonna do great. And I, I experienced this on my first one. And we're like, oh, you're gonna do great. You're gonna do great. And I'd be like, how do you know I'm gonna do great? Like, what makes you feel like? And not to be negative, but I just needed like some genuine encouragement at that point. And um, they were like, well, you're studying all the time. And I was like, I feel like this is one of those things, like. I tell you I'm trying out for American Idol and you're like, oh, you're going to do great. You're going to do great. But you've never heard me sing. 
You know? Oh, that's yeah. True. So it's like, I, you can't, I, I mean, although, like, yes, it is good to get that encouragement, but I want an authentic and genuine encouragement, yes. you know? Tell me I'm going to do great because, you know, you're taking your time and you, and, and you can't say you're studying all the time because you see my Snapchats, you know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's Be nothing. flexing on Snapchat. All day. But, like, if you've been studying with me and you're like, you study all the time. But, like, if you're a teacher of mine and you're like, you're going to do great. You did really well in my class. You got all the answers on the exam. That's tangible encouragement, yeah, like, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um... It's really hard to get encouragement when you're studying for the MCAT because although people are telling you you're going to do great, sometimes you it, it's hard for you to believe that, yes. you know, and mm-hmm. and coming from a, like, a, in, like a lot of people that uh, I was surrounded by when I was taking it the first time didn't know the process of medical school. You know, they didn't know what the MCAT was. They, they didn't know how long it was. They didn't know the details of it. So when they would say, oh, you're going to do great. I, I, it was hard for me to believe because I was just like, you don't even know this exam. Like, yeah. how are you? So, yeah, it's a, that is, that is definitely, I guess, yeah. a good stereotype. But. Yeah. And I guess with all that saying about stereotypes, I guess, um, I guess if people come at you with, like, these stereotypes that, like, the, oh, women just want to be nurses, I think you need to correct them. Or an OBGYN. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. then as soon as I tell people, oh, I want to be a doctor, they'll be like, oh, do you mean OBGYN? I'm like, Jesus, now. <laughs> Can I just, now. <laughs> I just want to wear the stethoscope and walk around hospitals. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> but no, yeah, but no, yeah, you want to be, you know. Yeah, I do. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, you're still your own person. And regardless of what, people are going to assume anything about you. They're, they're always going to jump to conclusions, Okay. But you have to be confident in where you are. You have to be confident in where you're going. And don't let stereotypes discourage you, um, let you get big-headed, stay humble. Like, that's, that's a big thing because if you hear everybody around you telling you, oh, you're going to do great, you're going to do great, and you let that be all, don't let your studies waver, you know? And, and mm-hmm. if you do let those studies waver, then it's like, okay, well, everybody said I was going to do great. Why didn't I do, do great? That. And then, it, yeah, the, then it turns into like a negative thing and yeah. you start attributing all those traits to you. Right. Yeah. So like, just be secure in who you are through this process. It's, it's trying. Yeah. I guess sure. this kind of goes back to like our beginning episodes, like make sure you write down your whys so that whenever you start going through moments like this, whenever you're like doubting yourself or what you think should happen isn't happening, you can go back to your whys and like you remind yourself that you can do it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really nice. So our next stepping stone. Yeah, this, I guess this is a strong segues one. into it because I guess being able to handle your stereotypes goes into professionalism. Professionalism. So um, this is a big one. This is very big. And for minorities, it's kind of hard because like a lot of like you, you kind of fall into a funny place because professionalism is so strongly attributed with whiteness. Um, it does. It's that you, you know, might be looked at as less than with yeah. your culture. That this, that reminds me of that was it insecure. Whenever Molly had to remember when they was there was that like black girl who oh came my in the office. God, yeah. That's like the perfect example of professionalism Man, to me. That and was so hard. And when she told her into whiteness. Yeah, when yeah. she told her and she was just like, Oh girl, these people love me and then we ain't seen no more sis ever again. <laughs> 
I was like, oh no, you couldn't change. Yeah, but I felt like they showed exa- the perfect example they did. of like you having to like do the little code switch. Yes, yeah, code switching. Okay, so let's talk about it. What do you consider code switching? I guess basically not being yourself or having to turn like what you'd normally say every day into basically what white people deem as acceptable okay so do you feel like it's fake because it's fake okay and so you switch it up right I feel like you feel like you're not being true to yourself well no like I feel like code switching you have there's a two ways to look at it the word like the term itself sounds terrible like code switching switching. (laughs) literally like you turn (laughs) off Whoever you were before you stepped in the office at 8 a.m. And you turn yourself back on at 5. Yeah. But, like, I feel like the characteristics, the qualities of professionalism can be within you. Like, you can have those same characteristics. You can still be professional. You can... Play 21 Savage in the parking lot. Play it in the, in the bathroom when you, you know, <laughs> just taking a break. Just be like, yeah, let me wash my hands real quick. But, like, yeah, no, like, I don't feel like you should have to turn off you know your qualities to make white people feel comfortable at all and I think that's the idea behind code switching however I think you should be reasonable with how much of the qualities you display at work yeah and I think that goes for anybody I like I said I think I just hate the term yeah because like if me and you are in a place a professional setting and I'm like hey girl like right. I'm, not, I'm not gonna do all that you know what I mean I mean but at the same time like it depends, because I've had patients, like, <laughs> it's so funny, like, I feel like when you see black people in, like, a medical, like, profession or, like, mm-hmm. building, it's just, like, a vibe, like, it's just, like, hey, girl, you the only one here, too? Yep, okay, me, yeah. too. Like, <laughs> you give each other that nod, like, Exactly, <laughs> and um, I feel like you can still be, like, Ooh, okay, eyebrows, and the, and she would get it, she'd be, like, thank you, girl, like, it would, it would still be a vibe, but, and you can do that, I mean, to white people as well, but... The idea is I don't think you have to change the way you address each other, the way you communicate with other people. Just, the, you know, obvious things. Don't curse. Don't, you know, over... So you're saying that, like, cursing and, like... I See, for me, I feel like professionalism is just... Yeah, I guess we should go into defining professionalism. True, true, yeah. So in my turn, because you talked about the... Yeah, so I'd say professionalism is... Uh, more so just because do you feel like putting forward your best self okay that (laughs) i i'd say it's putting forward your best self for the face of public and whatever company you're representing okay okay and that's so do you feel like white people since they are the majority they have to code switch too nah not at all and and that's because the standard they've set the standard realistically so, do you because think I think a lot way? of the, but I also think a lot of the, some of the stuff that even white people will do is very unprofessional. I don't talk about, uh, well, I've been in scenarios where white people have talked about like very unprofessional, yeah. just like their personal lives. Yeah, yeah and, just from your experience, and yeah, yeah, they talk about. Yeah, that's one thing I have noticed that a lot of, I don't want to say white your people, peers, yeah, peers, your peers, they like because I you know. keep school, home, work separate right right like I'll talk about with you my right. personal life but I'm not gonna go to my classmate that I'm not 
that cool and be like, oh my gosh, this happened in my family. Like, but I, <laughs> I got a like, pass with the other day. It was questionable. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know you like this. Like, I don't need to know your business. <laughs> like, we study together. We're cool. But at the end of the day, you're not going to know about boundaries. Yeah. Healthy boundaries. Yeah. Yes. So I guess that goes with professional too professionalism to like right. knowing your boundaries yeah because like you wouldn't go to your manager and be like oh my goodness i'm going to a party tonight but it, as a black woman like girl that i have might... managers who've been like listen to this tea like and spilling <laughs> their tea to me i'm like this is out of place yeah is, and you make people feel uncomfortable yeah and that in itself is unprofessional you know so i don't think I don't. I wouldn't say like white people set the standard for professionalism, I, but I think they do because they get yeah, away with stuff like that. That that is if exactly. If I did that, I don't think it, they would look at me like I was crazy. Like, oh, why are you telling me this at work? You'd be pulled aside. Like, mm, you had some conversations. <laughs> <laughs> it was um a little much. <laughs> Tone it back. But yeah, no. Uh, another thing like hair in the mm-hmm. workplace for for black women especially. Like, this has been a a struggle and this I don't is, understand I, I feel like I've struggled with this yeah sure. I feel like even today like today in the past like maybe four years we've like it's come to light and they've chilled on it but like even as I go to interviews and even as like because I happen to forget to put my hair up for an interview not that I intentionally did it but like I don't know I just didn't want it to be an issue and so I went on the interview, my hair was down, and I didn't realize literally until I was in the bathroom right before I went into the room. And I was like, well, if they don't like it, they're going to, I just don't want to go here, you know? And it's sad that you actually have to consider that when yeah. you're going into an interview, you know? Yeah. How is, you know, you already worried about how am I presenting, like, just at, on my application, um, as I talk, what I'm going to say. But yeah. on top of that, you have to be like, are my box braids going to be considered Girl, unprofessional? right? Because my, sorry, sister, but my sister and her <laughs> boyfriend actually, like, had a, I guess not an argument, but a conversation about it because my sister is going to her interview and she, like, wore a wig and, like, had her hair, like, half, like, pulled back and he was like, yo, you're being fake. Like, that's not you. Like, you always wear your hair big and natural. And she was like, but I don't want to go into my, like, my interview, like, when you're going through the process, you're already, like, super nervous. Right. And, like, you're, that they're already not going to like you and not going to pick you. Right. You just don't want your people to automatically assume who you are just from your hair. Right. And, and that's what she was trying to explain to him. And he was like, no, you're being fake. And that's was, hard. Yeah. That's really hard. And it sucks because blackness isn't accepted everywhere in our culture. And that's really what we run into. It's like, yeah, it's fake, but... Not everybody's going to accept who we are. And that's And you don't want your interviewer automatically to see you and see your hair and automatically assume. They probably don't realize that they're doing this, but subconsciously they're assuming negative traits about you already before your interview just from your hair. Right. So God forbid you happen to say something that feeds into that idea. It's just like, well, guess guess you just don't know how to to act or whatever. And. I don't think that's a common issue at all. You know, I don't I don't even think most people that are interviewing or even thinking about like that, but you'd hate to have that one person that is. Yes. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, also, nose rings. My friend and I got into a really deep discussion about, like, having a nose ring during your interview. And she was just like, I'm leaving mine in. It's not a big deal. But yeah, I was just like, you don't want to... Same thing. I was just like, you already, as a black woman going into an interview, it's going to be stressful. You, you, Not that 
the interviewer themselves is already looking at you like you're you don't deserve to be here but you're fighting for a spot and you don't want that nose ring to be the reason or, or any type of you don't want to give them any more reasons than they might already find right. themselves you know yeah and I don't think like it's the per se like the reason but I just think it's like the automatic stereotype they think about you just from you having a nose ring if they have a negative connotation right nose rings, which know? is old fashioned yeah like oh my goodness it's like, 2018 goodness like how is any hole in my face gonna ruin my ability to be a efficient doctor how I don't know you're a tattoos too but that's that's another thing. I'm too liberal for this. That just... <laughs> I'm like, just let everybody into med school. But yeah, no, like, literally. Um, stereotypes are just a wall, honestly. It's, it's a big wall. And it's just, like, annoying that you have to prove yourself over something that you have nothing to do with. Yeah, that's true. You know? It's just like, how is my hair going to affect my ability to work? And and the, the professions that'll say having a certain color in your hair is, like, distracting. Mm-hmm. It's like so. Do you think as African Americans we should just ignore all these stereotypes and just leave our hair out for our interviews and do our thing, or do you think we should? I think do whatever you're comfortable with. You know, I just yeah, that's true. And that's the only way you're gonna educate people. That's the only way you're gonna because conforming isn't gonna help anybody. Mm-hmm. It's gonna feed the stereotypes. It's gonna let these stereotypes continue. Be yourself. Period. Like and. Even if they meet literally a hundred thousand women with box braids that are purple and pink, and they're like, "Wow, she was really profession professional." There will never be a time where they'll look at box braids and be like, "You know what? That's a professional hairstyle." You know, like you like that that stereotype is still gonna be there, but you have to let them know that you are more than your appearance. You're yeah. more than what you you know look like. You're more than the nose ring, the curly hair, like all of that. And when I was wearing my hair out, I was just like. Shoot, if they don't want me, I don't want to go here if that's what keeps you from wanting yeah. You know what I mean? And see, and that's what my sister's boyfriend was saying. He was just like, if the school doesn't going to accept you for your hair, you don't need to go there. Now, he kind of should have heard her out, but yeah. But, no. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the that's way, true. It, the, how hard it is to get into med school, you can't be, you can't right. be exiting out schools like that. <laughs> right, right. And that's true. I know Um, I was told, this is like very, very old, but I was told uh, one professor who was interviewing at a school at one point, uh, he or wasn't a professor, and you have to realize these interviewers for schools aren't always professors. They're not always doctors. Sometimes yeah. they're like just somebody in the research department or somebody that's in um in the office. Yeah, and like might I not had even... a sociologist like right, and that's just so that they get a what they consider a well-rounded kind of view on the on the student yeah um but they might not always reflect the views of the school the people that are interviewing you and that's something that you really have to realize and it sucks because it's like even if this person isn't as progressive as their medical school might be they're representing you when they present your file to the admissions board so their notes at least um but yeah so i was told that the professor saw this girl's hair and he was like wow she looks like a lion like yeah who said that? I no names. I'm not messy, but <laughs> <laughs> no. But I, I was just like, he's dang, said that? yeah. And she had her natural hair because she had her natural hair. Oh wow! And I'm just like, now my praise God that there were other people interviewing her. You know, he wasn't the only one. But I'm just like, imagine if and and if she heard that, I'm like, well, not even heard that, but that's that's the 
what we the have film. in our head. Yeah. yeah, that's the film of his interview with her. So immediately he's he's distracted by her hair. Even if you want to say he didn't consider it unprofessional, he was distracted by it. So she could have been saying some really tangible things that made her a great candidate. candidate. Yeah. All he saw was her hair. You know? Wow. That's sad. Yeah, and then like, oh yeah, we could we could really get into it because you also got to be cognizant of distracting the men in the interviews, and you don't want to do that because that's, that's that's very risky. Yes. Don't wear anything shapely, ladies. It's a trap. All of the <laughs> women, <laughs> all the women's like interview clothing or business casual clothing are like so tight and, and like they are. shapely, and I'm just like, okay, I really just and honestly, one of your professors, I won't you know name drop or anything, but she's the one that told me. Uh, that um, she was just like, you got to be cognizant of what you're wearing. She's like, even if you, you don't want to be uncomfortable, but you ha- you don't know who's interviewing you. It's you don't true. know what, you know. And she was even saying they might not be representative of the school. Doesn't mean they don't have like, oh, okay, nice legs, got it, you know. Yeah. And it's just like I don't want that to be a distraction in my no. interview at all. So. And they shouldn't like. It's sad. Yeah. So that's another thing. It's like. That, I mean, that might not be as big as, like, your hair, but doing those things, dressing in a way you wouldn't normally dress. Yes. That could also be argument. Like, you could argue, is that fake, you know? Yeah, if you're changing, yeah. That's yeah. true. So, it, it's just hard, and especially and I, Yeah, for I think it's harder for women, too, with the outfits, because for guys, it's just, what, like, pants and a dress shirt or tie, a suit. A suit. For girls, it's like... Oh, my God. It's like if you wear with the guy, you're trying to, like morph into like what guys wear you know what I somewhat, mean yeah, yeah somewhat. and then it's kind of hard because then you're in that weird boundary where it's like I want to look feminine but then I also don't want to look too feminine and right it's like, what's too feminine not a not too low cut shirt yeah. you know but a comfortable shirt but you don't wear a collar but it's actually interesting that you say that because that's kind of another one of those scenarios where the business ca- this this might be a loose argument but the <laughs> business casual acceptable clothing are more masculine ish you know so it's that's another thing like are you tailoring to the majority in that case but I don't know who knows and then it goes into colors where it's like you can't wear red to your oh my goodness nail polish it's angry yeah yeah Neutral colors, Neutral nail colors, polish, yeah. not too modest makeup. Oh my goodness, interviews, yuck! <laughs> it's stressful. But. So I guess for interviews, <laughs> be yourself, but at the same time, like know what's acceptable and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, do do what you're comfortable with doing. So if you are like, I want to wear my hair natural. I'm not, I don't know if I got time to flat iron this hair. I'm wearing it out. Do it. Be proud. Don't let that distract you for your day. Don't second guess it. I, don't you dare right. go to the bathroom right before your interview. Be like, oh my goodness, maybe I should have tied it back. No. Throw the hair ties away. you naturalists know those buns hurt. Look. I can't wear my hair to bun. It hurts so bad. Hurt. So I'm saying, like, don't second guess it because that confidence will show or that insecurity will show. And, like... If you're uncomfortable in your interview, you're already kind of starting in a bad place. And that's, like, the last thing you want to be. So, yeah, but professionalism. Yeah, professionalism is hard. Um, A lot of people that I've experienced through this process kind of fight with the idea of professionalism because they, they feel like they are lying. Like, they are, you know, the professionalism that's acceptable in society is a lie. 
and I feel like you can be professional and still have your culture. Mm-hmm. It's really just be respectful, yeah. you know, be cognizant of who you are. And the workplace isn't the place for everything. Like, yeah, I agree. just like your grandma's house isn't the place for everything. Like, my parents don't drink. I'm not dr- like I, and I, I even apologize to my mom because I drank wine on Christmas <laughs> or on Thanksgiving. But um, yeah, like I, I drink finally at my my apartment, but. I know in that environment, it's not acceptable. Yeah. And that's really what it is. It's just like, you know what's acceptable for work. Yeah. And what isn't. And so that's professionalism. Yeah. And I think that goes into, there's, I think there's different levels of professionalism depending on where you are. Like, if you're shadowing and there's like a fourth year, a third year, and you're um, an undergrad student, like you're at the bottom of the totem pole. So it's like, (laughs) (laughs) in that situation, like, I feel like your professionalism is going to be different than if you're going to your interview. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, why? Why is it different? Mm -hmm. Because, like, I feel like if you're, let's say, like, say say you're at work Mm -hmm. versus being, like, an undergrad student shadowing. Like, at work, you could be a little bit more free and loose. Right, because I'm confident, like, yeah. I'm there for Yeah, you you're know. trying to make money and, like, you're there. But at the same time, like, you could be a little bit more yourself. But I feel like if you're shadowing and there's, like, a doctor and you're watching a surgery. Oh, you got to be on straight now. Yeah, you're, like, you can't, <laughs> like, you don't talk. Like, you just. You can't mess up. And I think that, oh, girl, that was definitely me shadowing because I felt very inferior. Which we are not saying, like, don't, never feel inferior when you're. Yeah, just these... know your place. <laughs> girl. <laughs> know your place. Yeah, and I think that comes with. Don't be arrogant is, is one of the biggest mm-hmm. things. Like, you can't go in as an undergraduate student and there be a third or fourth year medical student there and you try to teach them on some stuff. Like, Ooh. child, please. Like, like never be that person. Mm-mm. But um, be overly respectful. You know, be, be cognizant of what you say and, and the things that you do because they have more of a place there than you do is, is essentially yes. where we're going with that. You know, shadowing is a... a delicate opportunity that you should never take advantage of so if a doctor feels like you don't need to shadow you know he could just be like yeah I don't think this is working versus if you're in medical school he's not gonna be like yeah you know I don't think you should be in medical school at third year I mean you know he can say something but Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder for him to get you out of that place versus an undergraduate student that's shadowing so just be humble in that case yes but um yeah there there is I feel like I was very overly like polite and like overly yes, cognizant of what I, I was said. too and I was like kind of scared to talk just because definitely was scared I, to yeah talk. I just didn't want to say anything dumb and like the older students like look at me crazy like, and it's hard when you're like you've never been in that environment like you're used to your level of professionalism mm-hmm. when I was an undergrad I worked at like I was a server I was I was worked at Payless so like that was my standard for professionalism. Yeah. You know, look clean at work. And, you know, obviously don't curse. Don't use, like, just, like, slang and, like, all this stuff. And But, like, in the medical setting, I was so intimidated. Like, right. I was like, yikes. Yeah. They, are, they are saving lives out here. <laughs> like, my God. <laughs> and my, it's actually funny because my sister and I were talking about this the other day. And, like, how you learn different professionalism skills is, like, putting yourself self in that uncomfortable situation. Like, oh, my God going from work to like shadowing to volunteering then you're learning like the different Mm -hmm, levels of mm -hmm. professionalism and like what you feel comfortable with doing so you're able to like know yourself absolutely yeah yeah and I feel like as we're older um and we experience these settings the professionalism comes more easy 
And I'm still, which is dumb, but I'm still a little intimidated when it comes to talking to doctors. I don't know why. I just, I just get goosebumps. But literally, like, <laughs> it, um, it, it just makes a difference. Like, there is a certain level of professionalism. And a lot of, like, my coworkers are like, uh, a patient addressed the doctor by their first name. Ooh. Yeah. And, I mean, not to his face, but, like, they said it to us. And we were like, oh, girl. Do they know them? No, like, not... Girl, not, I did not work all those years for my patient <laughs> to call me by my first name. I mean, and, you know, sometimes it gets to the point... I'm Even if you want to take it back, like, professionally, I address the elders in in my workspace. Miss, Mr., Mrs., like, I feel uncomfortable calling those people by their first names, you know, and they'll quick, they'll be quick to be like, girl, call me... Yeah, same. Call me Amber, you know, and I'm like... You're like 45. You can like I'm just gonna live. You're grown. Miss Amber. You got look, girl. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, Miss Amber, my bad. Like literally, and they'll they'll laugh at me. They'll be like, oh my goodness, like you sound like a sixth grader. And I'm like, girl, I'm not about to. I, it, but that's just a personal. Like I feel unprofessional saying that. Mm-hmm. There's a woman who's who's uh, literally my same job title, but she's older than me. She's like an adult. She's kids my age, and I'm like, I I can't feel comfortable talking to you the way I talk to those people that are my age working at this position, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, even the other day, like, I was joking with her, and I, I said, what? And I was just like, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. Like, I, because I grew up, you don't say what to adults. No. So, right. So, like, when I said that, I was just like, yeah, it's like, who have I become? I don't even know. <laughs> he said, who have I become? I was like, let me take a second, because I've I, I lost my mind. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, like. Know your level of professionalism and what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. And B, I think what's important as well, let people know when they are not comfortable or when you're uncomfortable with their level of professionalism. And and if you feel like they've overstepped their boundaries in professionalism, um, and this goes across the board, I feel like especially for minorities, it's important for us to let people know whether they're a minority or not. I don't think that's the most professional way to go about that. Yeah. I, you know? No, I agree with that because, like, um, one of my coworkers, like, I guess not coworkers, but someone that I worked with, she was, like, telling me all about her, her life story and, like, what happened to her as a child. And I was just – and, like, I think she expected me to be on that same level with her. And like I said, I keep work and school separate. Mm-hmm. And so she was just like, okay, tell me about yourself. And I was like – yeah, I don't do that. Like, I keep, what? I was like, I'm not about to tell you my life. Girl, I can't. So I, I just told her, like, I was uncomfortable. Like, um, right. I work with you. Yeah, that's cool. I'm not going to tell you about my home life. Right, right, right. So I think you just kind of have to know what you're comfortable with, like what you were just saying. Yeah, yeah, that's important. Girl, she was crazy. I'm not about to tell her about my personal life. You're hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Sorry, bud. <laughs> Thanks for spilling your life story. <laughs> um, I'm a great listener, but... You are. You listen to all my shenanigans. <laughs> and we're still here. <laughs> so, that brings us to our next stepping stone. Getting letters of recommendation. Woohoo! Oh, that was the saddest Woo-hoo. little horn. That was a... That it's, was a t- it's hard. Letters of recommendation. Oh, no. I was talking about my little... Oh. It's dead. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Yes. Letter recommendations are kind of hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard because sometimes the best people to get letters from are the busiest people. 
And that is just a problem in itself. Yeah. And, oh, you got to let doctors know early. Mm-hmm. Early. I mean, if you're thinking about applying to medical school, start now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I was like, I'm very type A. So whenever I got my letters of recommendations, I literally made a packet, a folder. Mm-hmm. And it had my, what did it have in it? My resume, my application. I like literally put my application in there. I put, what else did I put in there? Oh, I literally found online, like, a rubric of what letter recommendation should have. Nice. Um, I had, like, tons of things in there, and I handed it to them, and I was like, here. To your letter, to your letter writers? Yeah, I literally oh, went man, to their that office. that is nice. Girl, I was not about to play with this letter recommendation. Nice. I was like, I need to get to medical school. Look. Um, my grades are decent. My MCAT score is average. Um, we need some top yeah, notch. We need, <laughs> we need you to sing my praises. So I walked into the office and I was just like, yeah, here's this packet. It tells you how to write this letter. Like, <laughs> And that's important because like AMC... Like, although you'd like to assume somebody's the person that you're asking has written a letter to for a student in medical school, not everybody knows, yeah. you know, what they want to hear. And if you're asking someone who isn't in the medical profession, you might want to give them some guidance. Yes, to... and yeah, because I asked someone, because I volunteered at a hospital, and I worked um, in the transport department with this older guy, and he was, like, the sweetest old man ever, and, like... He was like, okay, what do you want me to say in your letter? And he, like, he was just, like, an old man. So I was like, I want him to write my letter because I worked really close with him. But, like, I just, he needed guidance. So yeah. that's why. And it's I think hard. That, yeah, it's hard. And I think the AMC, they, I think that's where I got, like, they mm-hmm. tell you what a good recommendation is. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. They, they do. So I printed that out and gave it to them so they had, like, something to follow. And that's so. really good. I didn't even do that. I was just like, I know I put my resume and, um... One of my letter writers had me write a um, a letter of intent or, like, oh, one yeah. of those. So that really helped. So I ended up sending that to a lot of other people, too. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I never – I should have done the template thing, I think. Yeah. Well, if you guys email us, we can <laughs> I can send you the folder of the stuff I sent out to letter writers. Ta-da! So We've email got us. Yes, we have gifts. <laughs> <laughs> we don't buy it. Nope. <laughs> but, yeah, so – Letter recommendations are just, I was so stressed. Like, I, I had to figure out who who knew me. Because at that point, I felt like I never really established, like, strong, strong connections. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like, knowing me in a personal setting might not be the same as knowing me personally. Or professional or, setting yeah. might not be the same as knowing me personally. So, I was really worried. Like, I was like, are they going to be able to write a good letter? Yeah. Like, will they? And I, I was fortunate I was able to read my committee letter. And with the program that I did. And so being able to read the committee letter, it, it encompassed the letters that were written about me. And they were amazing. They were really great. But I was worried just because I was like, these are very different people. Like, they're, they've known me to different capacities. And some of them, you know, didn't really know me that well. One of them was, like, my advisor, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this might be generic. But no, it was, like, really heartfelt. Like, she... So don't doubt the people that you're asking but be very cognizant of who you ask yeah. because if you don't think they know you well you're gonna get a trash like recommendation and you don't need that in your life yeah like, and if they really don't know you they're gonna put basic stuff like sally came to class every day sally did this sally's and five yeah, five and, and a half <laughs> right and a letter like that doesn't sound as good as a letter like oh kia came to my office hours she had to be in the class she's I enthusiastic with, yeah, i worked with her and she was able to 
increase her grade, like right. we did this. That sounds better than Sally came to class. Right. So And not everybody will tell you if they can write you a good letter of recommendation. Not everybody. Some yeah. people will say yes and give you the truth. You know, they will and this is sad, but we actually heard about this uh in my program. They'd say like you have to be careful because some professors will be like, look, this person was unorganized. They showed up to class late. Yeah. They were sleeping class. And <laughs> honestly, that's what the medical schools want to know. You know, they, they want these recommendations. The question that they're asking is, do you recommend them to our medical school? Yeah. And if this person doesn't, they don't have to tell you they don't. They, they don't have to be like... I don't think I can write you a good letter of recommendation. It would be nice. It would be appreciated. But they can just be like, yes, I can write you a letter of recommendation. And then go off, you know? So be cognizant. Be realistic with how you presented yourself in these people's um, uh, presence. And, yeah, yeah, I had had professors in undergrad who – actually, let me be honest. I only had one professor in undergrad who I I loathed. And – I know them. (laughs) I did. It was an experience, and it was justified. But – um, yeah, I definitely knew from like, and I wanted a letter of recommendation from her. That's what made me I so mad. I think she mad. wrote me one. Yuck. And. I'm thinking about y'all's It was a whole semester of madness that she just, she, I feel like it was a she whole hated year. me. It was, it felt like a year, but it was literally, no, it was a semester. Wow. But yeah, it was an experience. But I knew from the first negative experience we had, I was like, well. Let me work on finding someone else for my letter of recommendation. Mm-hmm. And I got great letters of recommendations written for me. I was so grateful. Like, the people who... And I, I realized then, like, I had made decent connections with people, or like adults, while I was in medical school. And that's really what you want to use your undergrad, or while I was in medical school. Chill out, child. While I was in <laughs> undergrad. And you want to use that undergrad experience to get a social life, yes, but also to build a professional networking establishment. Yes. Like, use your professors to get that exposure to adult references. Yeah. Like, they already have connects in their field, whether it's a genetics professor, whether it's, um, I don't know, your ecology professor. Like, yes. somebody who could possibly connect you to anybody you know you just never know yeah build those professional connections early because one thing I wish I would have done in undergrad like I told my sisters to do this like literally like go to office hours Mm -hmm. and like you don't have to like you can literally like even if you're doing fine in the class look up the professor's research what they're doing Mm -hmm. like and just be like oh I saw you were doing this actually do the for a teacher that you actually like right, are right, interested yeah. in their stuff. Don't be fake. Yeah, yeah, don't be fake. But like if you go to their office hours and you're like, Oh, I see you're doing this research, it's pretty awesome. Like they'll they might they'll be like, Oh my gosh, wow, someone cares and then they'll <laughs> that's a letter right there. Right. And if you do it early, that's a great way to build an establishment. Yeah. You know, if you have a professor who can vouch for you, if you have a professor who can uh connect you to other professors your sophomore, freshman year in college that's a connection you can feed, like, continue to cultivate. Mm-hmm. And that's a good letter. You know, you want a nice, lengthy letter. It's only supposed to be a page. But if they can get a book out, fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it's you want to let people know who you are, definitely. Yes. And uh, the more people that can vouch for you when, you when it comes to applying to medical school, the better. Exactly. And then at that point, you get to pick and choose who you want to write your letters. You mm-hmm. don't have to be like, oh, I only have five people to write my letters. I hope they all do it. And then you're sitting there waiting on them to do your letters. Oh. And then they're like... Sorry, didn't do it. Right. Yeah. And you want them to be excited to do it. And that's part of, like, if they know you, they are. If they don't know you very well, they'll be like, hey, let me come up with some things to say about you. 
I know. Yeah, that's a that's a rough one. That is a rough one. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, it nothing's worse than like sending an email to somebody and like reminding them who you are, and you can tell like how oh, how tangible the reminder is. So if it's something like, I was in your um, physics two class three years ago, and I sat in the middle and like, and they're gonna be like, who's this girl? Exactly, and I did I. I asked one of my biochem professors, because we had two, and I asked one of them if he would write me a letter of recommendation. I thought I was cool with him. Like, I, I had asked him some questions. I went to his office hours, and he was just like, I really don't know you at a capacity that I could write you a letter of recommendation. And honestly, at that point, I was like, thank you for your honesty. Because yeah. I'm glad you didn't write me some very poorly, poor recommendation letter, you know, mm-hmm. just because you didn't know me very well. And, uh... Uh, yeah, I really appreciated his honesty at that point because I was like, whoa, you saved me, man. Like, yes. at, at the time, you know, my pride was a little shot. Like, yeah. <laughs> Denied. But, um, yeah, no, like, it it definitely... So when people say no to that capacity, be, be appreciative of that yeah. honesty because not everybody will tell you no and some people might just give you a trash recommendation, yes. so... And I think what that goes to say, like, when you're trying to get your letters, like, if you volunteered at something for, like, 10 years okay. and you don't ask for a letter of recommendation from that group mm-hmm. I heard that's bad too just because it's it like, just raises questions yeah it raises questions people are like oh did they not have good relationships so like make sure if you are overly committed to something that it shows yeah it shows like if you're volunteering at something for five years like they're gonna expect a letter or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh and don't ask family members for letters of recommendation do people think they can? I don't know, but I'm putting it out there now. Don't do it, girl. It's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because some people have parents that are doctors. Oh, Don't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. Letters of recommendation letters should only be from professional people. Absolutely. Or, yeah. Oh, and be well-rounded with who you ask. Yes. Don't ask, like, a bunch of doctors. Who or... did you ask? Because I got one from my job, my advisor, like, teacher... And then, oh, people I volunteered with. I asked um, a doctor who I shadowed for about a year and a half. And he wrote me a really good letter. Mm. I, like, teared up. It was really nice. Um, And then I asked two of my undergrad professors. I had a lot, now that I think about it. I had... um, How many did you have? I had, like, six or five or six. I guess I had, like, six, yeah. I had the doctor, and then I had two undergrad professors, two... Of my um, postback professors, my advisor for my postback, and my advisor from undergrad. Gosh, doesn't yeah. that seem so, so long ago? It was six from undergrad. It mm-hmm. does. Oh wait, what? no, asking for letters. Girl, it does. I I thought that was stressful, and then so many things have been stressful since then. <laughs> it's almost like, girl, why were you stressed? About it? It's like that's the easy part, right? You want to ask for your letters as early as possible too, um, because you have to remember if you are asking for letters from all of these different people, they have totally different schedules, they have totally different things going on, and you don't want to be, you know, stressed. Chances are somebody's gonna wait to the last minute. It just happens, but always give them a month early deadline than what you need that's oh girl i do earlier oh that too. i mean i thought a month was modest how, how much earlier did you do um i don't know i did early i told them that i needed it by the first of may 
But I, I, this is when I planned on submitting my oh, June. Oh, do you know? Oh, go and then I'll say finish. Oh, no, that was I. I oh, okay. I was going to say one thing I didn't know about, and I think it's weird because other undergrad universities um, promote this more, is Interfolio. Did Interfolio. You? Yeah, I didn't know about it until I did my post-bac program, and I wish I would have used it. So it's basically like a website because I started using it after I hear about it. You have to pay for it, but it's actually really handy. How much is it? I don't remember, but it's worth it because... Is it a $20 thing or a $50 thing? Girl, I don't remember. Yes. I just, I like because once I... Because it's once you... You have like your letter writers send their letter to Interfolio, so mm. the letter is always there. Okay. So then if you want to send it to AMCAS, if you want to send it to your job, if you want it to send it to somewhere else, you just send the letter from Interfolio oh. to the specific things so like if you need a letter say you need a letter like your junior year or something mm -hmm. and then you need a letter again like your senior year you don't have to re-go to that person it's already an inner inner folio huh yeah so that's one thing i wish i would have known about earlier because a lot of my friends in my postback program they knew about it and they're like oh yeah we've been using this like everyone uses it and i'm like i never yeah, heard about that no i've never heard of that yeah so inner folio you can look <laughs> it up i don't remember the price of it google has it yeah, I remember it was a little expensive. I was like, this is a little ridiculous. But once it's on there, then the letter's on there. I think it's on there for like three years. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, so Perks. portfolio. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, that's all we have for our stepping stones. Um, we, of course, we ranted and rambled, but we know you missed us last week, so we figured we'd give you a little extra rambling today. <laughs> um, so we'll talk about our hidden Jemison. Flo, take it away. Okay, so our hidden Jemison is actually from one of our listeners. Burp, um, burp, burp. Oh, yuck. And we appreciate you. <laughs> we appreciate you for giving us this hidden Jemison. Absolutely. They, so if you have any questions about it, we can forward them to them maybe. Oh, yeah. If, if you're yeah. interested in the program, just email us. Yeah, because we'll I think they did the program, um, and they recommended it, and they said it's an amazing program for um, people wanting to go to healthcare professions. So it's the SPHSP program, um, and it's Columbia University Irving Medical Center. Um, the application opened November 1st. Um, and I guess the program, it's a summer public health scholars program. Um, it's a 10-week program designed to increase interest and knowledge of public health and allied health professions among undergraduate students. Um, I guess the trip it involves field trips, professional development seminars, field placement, public health coursework, a trip to the CDC in Atlanta, a stipend, housing, and travel expenses included. Um, and so the program is for rising juniors, seniors, or recent college graduates within one year of graduation. So if you guys have any questions about that program, we can forward it to the, our listener. You who, have to email us. Yes, who recommended <laughs> it. He talked highly of the program. So. Oh, yeah. He yeah. Was, he was definitely dedicated. He really enjoyed it. He said, oh, you absolutely like have to talk about this on your show. So thank you um, for that suggestion. Super dope. So, that wraps up our show for the day. A um, little late, but, you know, worth it. Worth the wait. So, episode five. Thank you for listening. And uh, have a good week, guys. Bye. Bye.